Hello, I'm Jeremy Eden. Hello, I am Dan Eden. And I am Ken Palmer. And this is 90 Under 90. 90 movies. Under 90 minutes. title for this movie but (laughs) okay today on our show clocking in at 86 minutes we are talking about 1989's cyborg directed by albert pyun or pyun probably pyun p-y-u-n starring of course ray fisher uh from the no not from the justice league movies (laughs) what yeah, Cyborg, you know, the movie that... Uh, oh, I was that... like, I didn't connect the dots. <laughs> Sorry. Don't forget that it's a Golan Globus production. No. <laughs> That's very significant. Can't forget that. Uh, but here, can I, a little backstory here. This is a canon film. Do you guys know much about canon films? Um, I don't know much about canon films, but I did do a little bit of research on – not research. I just did a little bit of uh, – I, I had to go back and reread the plot summary of this movie because I was like, what the <laughs> fuck happened? And uh, in doing so, on the Wikipedia page, I learned a couple things about uh, the company. But please, please inform us. Or I don't know. Ken, how much do you know about yeah. canon? Maybe you're a big canon head. <laughs> you know Is what? That canon? I, I wasn't. I wasn't a canon head until – Years, years and years ago, I did my own research on the movie because, you know, for for all the listeners, this 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 movie is something that I've been pushing for. Cause yes. I knew that, that everybody's gonna have the reaction. <laughs> oh man. Oh god. We gotta nice. stop letting our friends pick the movies because Mike <laughs> made us watch uh, The Monkey's Head last week, and that movie oh. is just yeah. Have you seen that? Yeah. Uh-huh. What a mess. <laughs> <laughs> which, which one is worse, that or Cyborg? Uh, head, by by far. I actually like Cyborg. I like I like parts of Cyborg quite a bit. Um, the locations of this movie are uh, uh Chef's Kiss right there. Uh, there's a reason which, for that. That I'll right. get in later. Let's. Oh, okay. You want to? All right. We'll bury the lead here. Okay. Um, let me see that. Let me just say that Canon Films is responsible for um, Masters of the Universe. Uh, I believe some Chuck Norris classics. Uh, Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. So, oh, they're, they're those people. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's all you need to know, really. Yep. That makes oh. perfect sense now. I mean, is there anything you want to add, Ken? That's all I know about Canon Films. <laughs> so. if, if I'm not mistaken. In my, in my, I don't know if it's canon or uh, the, the the ever so popular Golan Globus, but <laughs> they're responsible for all those uh, Michael Dudikoff American Ninja movies. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those ones are uh, those are classic, <laughs> like like campy classics for sure. Yeah. 
in the canon canon. <laughs> the canon canon. In the um, canon canon uh, were was supposed to be two more movies uh, wherein they got most of the props and sets from this movie. This was supposed oh, right, to be right, right. We're bearing the lead. I forgot. Oh, oh, is that what is that what Ken was getting get, get I onto? I think that's what we're yeah, gonna yeah, get yeah. to. Yeah. Okay, then I'm gonna leave it to you, man. I'm gonna leave it to you for later. <laughs> okay. Now that we're all on the same page. <laughs> all right. I'm not gonna uh, steal steal your thunder. You have been pushing for Cyborg since day one. Yeah. Wh- why I, is why is that, Ken? I was not about to let you choose Cyborg as like the introductory. I was like, no, I can't. <laughs> we cannot watch Cyborg as the first as an opener. And you know, you know what's funny? Like when 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 Dan first asked me to uh, do one of these, I was like, oh yeah, because I, I had listened to a lot of the uh, episodes before I did one. So I'm like, oh okay, this is, I, I like this. You know, I like the idea that y'all got. So when Dan approached me and he gave me the list to pick from, I was going through. I, I was like, ooh, I didn't know they knew about Cyborg. <laughs> and it's funny because like Dan hit me up maybe like a day or two later and it was like, do you have any ideas from the list? And that the first thing I said was definitely Cyborg. He was like, oh, okay. How about Problem Child 2? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just push that in the back burner there for a little while. Yeah, okay. That's a nice thought, but uh, we're going to go with Problem Child 2. I think Jared was really pushing for problem PC culture that week. You know, that's uh, that's my my cute euphemism for Problem Child. Uh, PC <laughs> culture is our podcast where we talk all about Problem Child and, and problem 1, 2, and 3. Child, problem Child um, 2. But, 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 well, but, but yeah. to, to answer the question, though, as far as why Cyborg is because this movie, strangely enough, is is a huge part of my childhood. Because, you know, back back when, you know, there was such thing as VHS and, and all that stuff that 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 the, the young folk don't know nothing about. <laughs> we used to uh, we, we knew a guy that owned like a, a, a video rental store, like a mom and pop video store and he would just give us tapes like just just give them to us nice so like every two three months we get like another batch of like 50 60 tapes and it just so happened that during that time i was like seven eight nine years old and i went through my van damme phase where i thought that he was the the greatest martial artist on the planet (laughs) (laughs) oh my god (laughs) you know what i'm saying I saw I saw Bloodsport and was like, ooh, Bloodsport, Bloodsport, <laughs> Bloodsport. Um, that's you know um, I saw that and then uh, what's the other one? Kickboxer. Yep, yep. I'm like, oh, this this guy is great. Don't forget um, don't forget Simon Says was he in that one with Dennis Rodman? Was he in not, that not, one? Not that one. Simon Says came from the one that he did do. Which is, I think, it's called Double Team. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> they did, they did Double Team. Was like, ah, Dennis Rodman is a great lead. Let's give him, a, let's give him Simon Says. <laughs> <laughs> How many times do you think he says Simon Says in that movie? Like, oh, man. <laughs> give or take. I'm hoping at least half a dozen. I but... mean, he has to because literally no one can do anything unless he says it. So like. The plot goes nowhere unless he says, Simon says. 
but I, yeah, I, like yeah. I'm sorry. And, Go ahead. And, and one of those one of those batches, it was the movie Cyborg. And I, I never I never heard of it or anything, but you know sometimes with the tapes, it was sometimes just had the title of the movie and that's it. But sometimes it had the title of the movie and whoever like the main star is. Yeah. So I saw Cyborg. I'm like, I don't know what that is. But then it had Van Damme's name above it. I'm like, oh, this is a Van Damme movie. I put it in, watched it. Now, mind you, I'm like eight, nine. <laughs> so I'm watching. I'm like, this movie is incredible. And I proceeded to watch it every day for <laughs> God knows how long. <laughs> you wore the tape out, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> That's funny. I mean... I don't know what it was. I, I think it was just the whole Van Damme phase I was in. I'm like, this movie is great. Mm-hmm. And like over the years, when I got older, of course, I started watching it less and less. But every now and then I'll go back to it. I'm like, okay, I don't like it as much as I used to, but it still holds such a near and dear place in my heart. Now, mm-hmm. I, now, now as a grown man, I don't defend the movie at all. Like if anybody <laughs> watched the movie, it was like, this is a piece of shit. I'm like, yeah, you're right. It is. <laughs> but it's my piece of shit exactly. you don't understand <laughs> how do you feel now i don't want to i don't want to digress too much but like where is blood sport like in like your top 50 and how do you feel knowing that that's president trump former president trump's favorite movie i did not know that that's his, I found that out pretty early <laughs> into the presidency, and I was like telling everybody that. It's like, you guys, his favorite movie's Bloodsport. And like me, I'm one, I didn't even see Bloodsport, so who am I to judge? But I was like, right. it's like, that's the criteria for my president. His favorite movie's Bloodsport? Come on, guys. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, that, that, that can't be a favorite. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's illegal like, for that to be someone's right. favorite movie. Like I, I like the movie and I'll watch it, but if somebody was to be like, name your top ten favorite movies, that's nowhere near it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, like and like you grew up with it too. That's another thing. And uh, yeah. maybe you grew out of it a little bit. That's another important part of it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I grew out of the fantasy of thinking that it really was a good movie. <laughs> and granted, granted, it's, and like it's not, there are it's not a good movie. It's just awesomely bad. That's the, that's all it is. The, the the great parts about it that I love about it are the, the holdovers from the 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 thing that the the lead that we're burying here. And, uh, <laughs> it's my favorite aspect of the movie, or is the locations of this movie. Uh, there's a sequence midway through this where they're in the second level of a dilapidated uh, stone building with graffiti everywhere, and they're basically yeah. level with the top of the tree line, and it's open. Uh, it's cool. It's like right smack dab in the middle of the forest. I thought it was awesome to see that, yeah. um, frankly. And uh, so, like, yeah, sure. Like, I'll, I'll say another thing. Van Damme gets his ass kicked. Like, half the movie is him just, like, getting his ass kicked by, uh, what's the main guy? Fender, because they're named after Fender. guitars. Yeah, everybody's <laughs> named after guitars. Which I, I didn't I didn't real I didn't realize that until I was older because I was like I, I don't know how to play any instruments I wish I did but I found out on accident like I think I I was watching something and they were like yeah this guy's playing the gift uh, a Fender guitar and I'm like oh okay 
then later on, like, this guy's playing the Gibson. I'm like, wait a minute, where have I heard those words before? Why did they name the guitars after Cyborg characters? That seems very strange to me. Really weird homage to be playing to this movie. Um, like, yeah, I think that's kind of cool, actually. When we were kids, we were make, we made, like, a short film. We named our characters after, like, car models, and we thought that was cool. Like, like <laughs> Honda, Hyundai and, like, stuff like that. Yeah, there was uh, one that we made where all of the uh, characters were named after pastas, too. So, or like pastas <laughs> or pasta sauces. We had a character named Shoeless Marinara. That's right. He didn't wear <laughs> shoes. That was his name. Like Marinara. Y'all uh, made me think of another uh, terrible movie, uh, The Adventures of Ford Fairlane. With uh, uh Andrew the with the dice man. Hey <laughs> with the dice man. It's me, the dice man. Sorry. <laughs> How long do you think this can go before it gets annoying? Ah! Ten minutes later, just meet the dice man. Where's everybody going in the audience? Come back. <laughs> Hickory dickory doc. Uh oh man. So, yeah, the Dice Man, Ford Fairlane. I only know that movie through uh, podcasts that make fun of that movie. That's my experience Uh-oh. through that movie. <laughs> I've actually watched it. Oh, yeah? I yeah. Is it like a Hudson Hawk? I've seen that. <laughs> like, my dad <laughs> loved Hudson Hawk. <laughs> I, would, I, would say, I would say it's worse. Oh shit! That that's yeah. yeah, that's some that's really bad. If the low like the level is Hudson Hawk, um, so this here's a, I can we can get into it now. Unless uh, I'll just say this: I I didn't have a Jean Claude Van Damme phase. I haven't really seen any of his movies. I like totally him and Steven Seagal whizzed past me completely in my childhood, and uh, now you watching didn't... these, it's wild. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, my uh, my only connection to Jean Claude Van Damme is playing Mortal Kombat, which is uh, tangentially connected to Jean Claude Van Damme. So you mean you know. like Street Fighter? No, I'm talking Mortal Kombat because like Johnny Cage was basically based off of Jean Claude Van Damme, and then Got they it. were like, right. uh, "No, we have to change that a little bit." So you throw some yeah. sunglasses on him and. I didn't even see Street Fighter, uh, uh, Raul Julia's swan song <laughs> to the world. I know. That is, that is so sad that that's his last movie. I know. You, you know you know why he did it, right? Why? It's the same reason a lot of people do movies like that. They 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 offered, his agent offered it to him. He was like, what the hell is Street Fighter? And it was like, oh, it's a popular uh well, I don't even know. If, I don't even know if the agent knew, but they 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 gave him the script. He read it. Was like, nope, not doing it. Mm-hmm. And then one day he was talking to his grandson, and his grandson asked him like, are you are you doing any movies anytime soon? And he was like, I don't really know. I don't have nothing planned. But I did get offered this movie called Street Fighter, and the grandson was like, Street Fighter? You been doing a video game? And he was like, I don't know if it's from the video game. I, all I know is they wanted me to play some guy named M Bison. And then the grandson went nuts. Was like, you gotta do it. You gotta do it. <laughs> See, it's sh- it's shit like that that gives us Tommy Lee Jones as Two Face. You know. <laughs> was that was did kids influence TLJ yeah, to do that kids, role? Fucking kids ruining movies like they ruin everything. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> I love this saltiness here. 
Um, I love my kids, both of them. Yeah. <laughs> Your kids are quality. They're not canon film kids. They're quality no. kids. No, um, they are at least touchstone level kids. There's <laughs> <laughs> um, what I'll say. To, to, dare to, I say to, Morgan Creek. Oh, well, oh, that's wow. there. Are they even around anymore? No, probably not. So let's go back okay. to the other one. <laughs> probably Touchstone's probably a little better than Morgan Creek. Not bad. Um. Okay. So we here's what's interesting about this movie is it opens with a voiceover of the villain and it does not sustain. It doesn't bookend the movie. It just kind of opens with deep, like like it sounds like a monster on like a kids show. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently yeah. in the 80s they had one voice filter to make your voice sound like gruff and, and tough. And it's this one. It's like, it's this or the one that makes you sound like this. Like those are the two that they had in the eighties. <laughs> the Frank Welker uh, filter. Yeah. The, the, Welker. the Zool. Yeah. Um, I was thinking, um, this Shao is clearly, clearly this is uh, influenced by Mad Max. Like, this is post-apocalyptic. Oh, yeah. Like our 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 thugs are dressed like in like with football pads, but they got spikes and they got some of them got mohawks and they're all kind of metaled out, you know. This is just pure. And I I'm not complaining here. I like this a lot. In fact, in this first scene here, where they're in the middle of a city and it's all kind of torn apart, like I'm a big fan of the Fallout video games. I feel like they had to have seen these or have been influenced by. This movie, or someone had to have said Cyborg when they were making those, and I love it. So I love the the set design of this. So um, burying the lead here. Uh, <laughs> it's it's weird though, because this movie is just kind of a mismatch, or like a mix match of of like uh, like you said, Mad Max with like a hint of Terminator and a little bit of yeah. Blade Runner sprinkled in there. Like here's what I was gonna. I was thinking near the end is. Did John Claude Van Damme pitch this movie? He's like, okay, we've all seen Terminator, right? Okay, well, what if like the robot needed the human's help because he was like way stronger than the robot itself? So like, okay, I could be that human. And what if I'm like a Christ-like <laughs> figure? You put me up on a big cross, and I just like everybody kind of looks up to me like I'm their savior, but they don't say it, something like that, you know? And uh, <laughs> that's what we got with Cyborg. Um, I don't know. Am I warm? Acting, tried to take really. off his headphones. He's got kids, though. <laughs> I heard, I heard a, a good portion of that, but not okay. the ending. I'm sorry. No, that's all right. Um, basically, I feel like John Claude pitched the movie, and it's like, basically, he took Terminator, flipped it, made him like the savior, made him literally like a Jesus. And I know, like, it probably wasn't even his story idea, but like, when it's so self-serving like this, and it's for an action star who, like, um has like basically they all have like in their riders to look tough it feels like it it, it is like property of of jcvd you know stamp of approval <laughs> what i will say uh, just tangent jumping off of that a little bit is i appreciate how much his ass gets kicked in this movie because it's like wow. you don't see that enough in you know bruce willis isn't going to get his ass kicked like that's you know he's just not like yeah. not that bruce willis is not really doing a lot of action anymore but like right. Like 30% of that is is how much most, I'd say, dare I say, most modern action stars get their ass kicked. Maybe, like, they're kind of scaling it back now with, like, uh, like your John Wick. Like, they limp into a fight now. They make it more of a struggle, which I like. 
Um, yeah, but this he certainly gets his ass handed to him because the villain is like twice his fucking size. And usually, yeah, like as an audience, we have to suspend our disbelief. But this one, uh like he needs a knife just to just to have an advantage in the third act of this movie. Otherwise, he yep. would be handily beaten by uh, this guy. Um, but I'm a I'm a Gibson guy, not character wise, guitar wise. Uh, <laughs> Les Pauls, SGs. Um, so it opens with a voiceover of the villain, and that is uh, he's a Fender guy. His name is Fender Tremolo, I believe, is his yep. full name. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, first the collapse of civilization, then we got the plague. Then we heard rumors some scientist was working on a cure. Why? I like the death. I like the misery. And then it's it's New York and it's dilapidated and it says in the future, New York City. <laughs> That's all you need to know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they might as well just be like New York. But, like, not now, like, you know, like, in the future. <laughs> Here's you know. the unfortunate thing, and I'm sure this isn't my observation. Others have, reviewers, but, like, you can't have a future movie made in the 80s, no matter how hard you try, if the main, like, the guy in the scene has a perm, and he looks like Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> he's running around. <laughs> because that is an 80s-looking guy, if I ever saw one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So what we get is basically Steve Gutenberg, like in a tracksuit. You can tell he's like on the good side, the resistance. He looks like a future cop. He's got like a vi- I think a visor and like a gun thing going on, and uh, he's with a, a partner, a cohort, and it looks like they're protecting somebody, and they're in the middle of it with someone, and it's like Mad Max thugs, like these guys straight out of Fury Road with their, like I mentioned, their spiked armor. The main guy. And this is like the most logical step for like if they were to make some canon Mad Max sequel, he wears chain mail and like uh like an overcoat. That's like the perfect uh wow, that's the perfect uh uniform for the bad guy here in this uh Mad Max uh, aesthetic. So you got all that going. I kinda like it, even though it's really derivative. <laughs> it's a <Yeah>. canon film. <laughs> So it's canon. Canon means they steal from other people's canon for yeah. their movie universes. They got the N in the middle there. Uh, oh, foot chase. Um, and very eccentric Raiders from Fallout-esque uh, looking group chasing them. They're led by Fender. And he wears sunglasses most of the time. But when he takes them off, you know it's like it's like his jewels, uh, Ezekiel 2517. It's when he really wants to show them... Uh, really what he's made of you know yeah and uh which really like i don't if somebody is flashing me those eyes yeah without context i'm just like oh those those are pretty interesting looking eyes. like i don't know what am i like how is that supposed to be intimidating when he's just like ah like showing his eyes (laughs) yeah i know some people might be might get lost in them (laughs) yeah he loves to say fucker too that's yeah. <laughs> um, he's got blue eyes and he cuts uh, the goots. He's, he cuts Steve Gutenberg's throat straight up, man. He says um, something like um, he's very vague about the details, but uh, something about uh, we don't want the cure or like we like the world the way it is. You know, we like the misery. He basically re- reiterates his voiceover. Um, mm-hmm. He's the source of it. 
And he finishes him off. And uh, this is and, a really rushed beginning. Sorry, Jer. Well, Go ahead. Well, what I'm going to say, and commenting on that, is the fact that, like, this movie, one of the things that I read was that this was back in the days where movies would get X ratings for, like, violence and stuff, you know? Like, not just, yeah. like, if, you know, when, before the NC-17 rating existed, mm-hmm. you know, X rating was kind of what it was. And this movie was, like, one of those movies that got an X rating and had to be, like, scaled back. And you can completely really? tell in this scene, just by the way that, like, everything is shot and edited, you can tell that, like, there's missing pieces from a lot of this movie, especially this throat cut right here, because it's like mm-hmm. awkward yep. and there's, he's not cutting anything. And you, like, <laughs> I watched the, my cut was remastered. I do wonder if there's like a director's cut of cyborg. I would be interested in that. There Here's actually the, is interestingly, oh. the man himself, like got a hold of the footage, Albert Pun got a hold <laughs> of the footage. And for a while it was like available directly from him. Like you could pay oh, him and you could have cool. got it. He has since passed. Oh. I think, or at least he was he he was diagnosed with MS I'm in sure. 2013, so I don't know if he's still around. Sure, there's a copy. Sure, there is. But uh, that's really cool. Like um, I was gonna say, also this movie is like very much a a sound off movie, a background movie, because there's not a lot of there's exposition at the beginning, just a little bit, and then a lot of it is just running and fighting these thugs uh, and these screaming. Creators. Yeah, and then a lot of screaming. Also. I, I swear to God, like if there is a script for this movie, half the pages are oh. <laughs> like I'm watching it right now to my left here, and like the beats are they he he encounters the bad guys, they best him, they they throw him in a precarious situation, he gets out, and then he he get it repeat the cycle until finally he he bests them, but like. You you don't you don't need any dialogue when you look over and they're crucifying him with a, a ship mast later in the movie uh, like the lost point it's just uh it, to me it, you don't really need much sound in this movie so I think that's cool um, but anyway what what exposition we do get is um, there is a woman she's a an, a, a a skin job an android and uh, she's being hunted down. In the middle of the streets, and Jean Claude Van Damme, who like very like really quickly is introduced in this movie, and like the whole situation is introduced pretty quickly. He saves her from these guys. Um, who are they? We don't know. Like who is she? We don't know. But she scans him with like her eyeball. I guess she's a robot, and she sees that he's like a I guess good guy, good positive, and she's like, you know what? I've decided to make you my my. My uh, escort, basically. It's like, oh, really? Well, I don't. So I, like, he doesn't really say it, but like his character used to be what they call a slinger, <laughs> which is the original name of this movie yeah. Uh, script. Yeah, slinger. <laughs> because that means something. Um, basically, it's like a futuristic uh, coyote. What he does is he smuggles you out of the uh, the, the city. So if you need to get out, he's the guy to do it, and he, he'll protect you along the way, and he will get his ass kicked 50% of the time along the way. <laughs> he's great at getting his ass handed to him. That's what he does. <laughs> it's going to be very even. You will see. But in the end, we will we'll succeed. Don't um, worry. He will get so caught up with his own success that he will think he will get ahead of himself. Hoisted by his own petard. <laughs> you will see. <laughs> So now we're with, uh, 
Yeah, he's with the robot lady. She removes her skull to reveal the guts of her head, which is wires and, uh, you know, circuitry to show that she is an android. You know, you have to do that. That's standard practice if you're an android. And uh, so he's like, I, 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 I guess I can protect. I don't know. But it's like not long before he gets bested by just some rando with like a gun who I think he blasts a wall, doesn't he? And like the ceiling collapses on him. Yeah. And uh, the main baddie, he's back again. Fender. He's all like, will she? Okay, so she needs uh, JCVD to take her to Atlanta because she has data about a cure for the yeah. virus. Princess Leia left a message uh, encoded in, <laughs> in her hard drive. That yeah, no, she's she's basically got information that the scientists in Atlanta need, and the scientists in Atlanta at, at the CDC are trying to come up with the cure for everything. So. It's it's honestly one of the least important parts of the movie. Uh, is the whole reason she's a cyborg is kind of a useless piece of information. The titular cyborg is in this movie for like maybe ten minutes of screen time, and the rest is us all human on human, just fighting in uh, cool locations. So what's uh he he okay so he gets bested he gets knocked out. The main guy comes up. He's like, we'll escort you to Atlanta and you'll give us the cure. And if you don't, we'll give you the horseshoe. And he pulls up the head of the of Goots. He shows uh, her Gutenberg's <laughs> head. Three more like two men and a little lady now. Am I right? <laughs> now that he's dead. So uh, he. Uh, so, OK. So he gets up. JCV gets up. They take the princess away to the next castle, and he gets up, and uh, JCVD's back on his feet. He's like, well, that was crazy. On with my life. But wait a minute. That was Fender. Now, the thing about Fender is there's a history. We just did Jonah Hex for this podcast. It's very – he's got a vendetta against the guy who killed his family, okay? Mm-hmm. So that's that's what he's – that's what drives uh, – not the cyborg. It's, it's just – uh, Gibson. This movie should have been called Gibson, or as Jerris said, oh! <laughs> it should have been called oh, colon fucker. <laughs> so, like, basically, it's just that his his little vendetta happens to align with the cyborg's plot. He probably wouldn't have fucking gone had it not been for. Just the fact that Fender is, has gotten mixed up with this cyborg. And then uh, you got this one lady. She comes, She's coming up. But So JCVD, he visits a friend at like a bar. He looks like a, a, like a bartender. It's just like that kind of dynamic. And he's like, I didn't know you were still slinging. You know, he's like an old friend. And uh, it's kind of a useless scene, to be honest. You just kind of get a sense that he's, a, he's an everyman, I guess. And then uh, he moves on. He's about to get taken out. I think she's got a – it's a figure, and she's got a sniper or something. And does he, like, whip a boomerang at her and knock her out? It's something like that. <laughs> See, he encounters somebody. It's like um, a vagrant uh, in kind of like a cool, like, sewer alley-looking area. And, uh, yeah, just straight up, like, whips a fucking boomerang or just like a, a piece of wood – or maybe he just like in Scream Three, he throws the knife and it hits her with the wood part and not the blade part. <laughs> <laughs> like in Scream Three, like famously from Scream Three. Yeah, like that movie. Oh man, I don't know which one I dislike more, Three or Four. 
but uh, I only saw four once. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And I said, nah. <laughs> Have you heard about the reboot also called Scream? Yeah, and I said, nah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting tired of these remakes, like, basically trampling all over, like, the originals, just by title alone, like Halloween... You want to be called Halloween 2018? Fine, but don't just be called Halloween. To me, that's like, no, don't do that. Just come on. How would, uh, how do you feel about the Godzilla movies then? <laughs> um, well, it's a remake of, uh, I don't know. It's like I think there's a statute of limitations on these things. <laughs> <laughs> like 98 was uh, Broderick Godzilla, and then you got 2014. That's like that's uh, 16 years later. Fourteen years later. That's that's fair. Yeah, sixteen years later. Um, yeah, I think there's a statute of limitations. But uh, he, okay, he knocks out the, the vagrant with the boomerang or whatever the fuck, and he kind of hangs out with uh with this person for a while, and it's a woman. It's just some young lady in in rags and a, like a trench, and uh, he's like sharpening his giant Bowie knife and. Yeah. Uh, he carries around that, but he also carries around the the stone to sharpen it with, which is very good. Uh, and and now we're doing these uh, from here on out, like every five minutes of screen time, maybe even less. We're gonna get these quick flashbacks, and we're gonna cut back and forth between his past life and his present. And his past life is tragic, and we have to see a drawn out like how he how it got to be so tragic. But first, we have to see how it was so happy. Happy times. Apparently, he was a slinger back in the day, and he met some young woman, and, and she had two kids, and uh, he was supposed to take them out of the city and escort them, and he did, and he was a good protector, but he ended up falling in love with the kids and vice versa, and the, the wife also, of course, you know, wham, bam, thank you, van them, and, uh, <laughs> you know, the rest is history, or is it? And then we cut back <laughs> to present day, and he's still sharpening that knife. And uh, and honestly, but, yeah. perhaps the most tragic thing about his past is the uh, ponytail wig that he was forced to wear in those days. It's terrible. It looks like a bad Billy Ray Cyrus wig, like for 1989. Like, oof. What I one thing I just, one thing I have to rewind about is um the bad guys they like burnt down a marina that happened to maybe have a wedding going on during it or a wedding because there is a burning cake topper of a groom and a bride while they take over like and basically they need a a, a ship to get like across the sea to to Atlanta with the the cyborg so they have an easy ride for a, a big chunk of the movie they're just kind of living like well there are pirates in this movie. And, and you know what? The the young vagrant that meets JCVD, she can't tell the difference sometimes between those pirates and those slingers, you know? Statement. She, yeah. There, I love you. Got to love future sci-fi lingo like that. Skin jobs for androids and like I'm a slinger, but that's my that's my life. That's my career. They, they I, we live so far in the future that this career doesn't even exist in your time yet. That's if you. If you take a class on sci-fi writing, 10% of it is the creative writing, and then 45% of it is coming up with rules to your universe. Honestly. And another 45% of it is coming up with futuristic names for shit. (laughs) I took a 
you're right, Jerry. I took a fantasy screenwriting course at Columbia, and a, like half the course was like, "What about your universe? Like, like tell us like, like they really yeah, 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 very yeah, your story is great, universe. but tell me about your universe." Yeah, they they were very about <laughs> about the ethnography of the sci-fi world that you're you're living in. What is the um, geography like? What is the derivative yeah. plant like? What, what does it smell like? When I walk into an alley, can I go, does it smell like yeast? Does it smell like rats? Both? Does it smell like garbage? Gee, what, what's in the garbage? Like soy sauce? Cheese? Both? I don't know. And he just starts listing garbage foods for like an hour, the whole class. What's the it's national weird. flower of this of this location? <laughs> <laughs> um, it really, yeah, like seriously, stuff like that really gets you thinking about everything. It's like we're not playing D and D. We're we're just writing a surface level, like yeah, to sum this up. script. Yeah, but um, anyway, he uh, yeah, he, now he's he's walking. He's like he's doing the hero thing where he's walking without the the vagrant that he knocked out, and she's like, wait a minute, where are you going? Like I kind of owe you, but you, I also resent you, kind of, and like. They walk together and uh, to some cool locations, and uh, I think around here is like where we don't get much info because there's not much to learn. It's like I think they encounter this is like my favorite scene coming up is where they're on like the the, the cement building with the graffiti everywhere, and then the second level, and they encounter uh, the bad guys, and it's like a you think it's like a, a fresh group of bad guys, but it turns out to be uh, offenders guys because it's like the only guys within a 50 mile radius I yeah, there's guess. only five bad guys in the entire country apparently so like just you know like i'm sure it shouldn't be that hard and uh yeah but i don't know if I, I don't think i'm missing anything she's just she tags along um she asks are you gonna help them he's like he doesn't want to but he like he's like i'm going for fender i'm not really forget this i what is this the plot of this movie forget it they should it's for vendetta against fender just so that's want what they to do. kill Fender. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so they they move on. They have an action beat, and then he I think he gets wounded or something. And uh, oh yeah, this is this that action beat where they run after each other for like three and a half minutes of screen time. Yeah, pretty and much. He's like, Come on, and like JCVD's like, okay, yeah, I'll be there in a couple minutes. Hang on, and he starts running after him slowly. Like there's and, there's a lot of slow running. Yes, and there is. It's no martial arts, quite frankly. <laughs> For somebody who is considered an like, amazing martial artist, it's like, yes, but I can only go at half speed. <laughs> um, though, you, know the, what, you know the training choreography? That speed. I can't go faster than that. <laughs> Maybe you can, speed, you can speed up the film, yeah. Just, uh, just under crank it, I think is what they, they call it. <laughs> he knows, he knows what, the terminology. that's what they do like the the fighting like his moves are slow but then they'll they'll show him kick somebody in the face but then they'll cut it where it looks like he kicked them five times but it's that same kick (laughs) from different angles i love those (laughs) i love when they do that it's like you know like spike lee likes to do it when characters hug and hug in movies he does it like from three different angles sometimes but that it's like the big trope in all 80s action movies it's like (laughs) he kicks them and then we're gonna see it from like 10 different angles (laughs) as if time is repeating (laughs) over and over and over again (laughs) it's great I love how it doesn't matter how soft these blows are, they all sound like shotguns. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> There's some nasty hits. Yeah, just based on the sound alone. Um good sound design, I guess. But there's this yeah, this sequence, it starts it is drawn out. Um I th- I believe it's all connected. It's hard because some of them are so drawn out that you want uh it's hard for me to remember if they connect to previous action scenes or if there's like a bit of nothing between it. There is a flashback though after like the second floor cool sequence that I like. And it's from the android's perspective, which is another weird choice from the movie. Um, she's with the, like the resistance group, we'll call it. And the scientist, the main guy, is tasking her to go, and you have to go get the data, and you have to come back here. Like, that's what you got to do. Just go to point A to point B, and Steve Gutenberg is going to watch your back. <laughs> and he, uh, he says, don't worry, Pearl. I'll get you to New York and back, back back like uh, in my that's just in my head <laughs> that doesn't happen but um so basically uh yeah that's her flashback and uh oh yeah like like two minutes of screen time and then jcvd and and the chick that he's with i I, sorry i didn't catch her name they're at the front door of the bad guys like hangout and they're looking out the window he's like kill them like so there's another action scene <laughs> in another cool industrial location looks kind of like a a power plant or something it ends with um the you know the one with the really high cement walls and he like he hangs on a pipe and then he swings like basically perfect level to his like feet <laughs> like the length of the pipe that like, that part right there shows the flaw with how they decided to shoot that with the slow and fast because if you remember the reason why he's hanging on that pole is because a guy kicked him off like the third floor of the building and yeah. he just so happened to grab onto the pole right so he's hanging on the pole and the guy that kicks him off was like oh he hanging from a pole this is the perfect time to kill him <laughs> let me take my knife out but before I throw the knife, let me flip it around in my hands a few times. Just <laughs> enough so John Clark can shake the pipe so the pipe yep. can come loose. I'm like, in no way in real life will a guy yeah. be like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to me... first. Let me show you how how nice I am with this knife first. Let me, yeah. first. <laughs> to let me kill you, but I'll give you a couple minutes. <laughs> They're really relishing in that kill, yeah. Don't ne- that's the rule. Never relish in in the the hit. Just go f- straight for the kill, you know. Yeah, it's like it, it's that Indiana Jones thing. Where it's just, it's just like shoots like them. All this unnecessary stuff. It's just like you're wasting your time. <laughs> if only every actor had to shit really badly on set, you know, then we would have more of that. So, uh, we're back to um, present day. They're storming the gates. Action scene. Um, and this, yeah, this connects. The, he ends up, uh, she gets knocked out. And, like, sometimes in, in, in the 80s and, and a lot of the 90s, um, the supporting female star was just a prop. They just had to carry them around for, like, a good yeah. chunk of the movie. And that's no different here. He carries her around for 10 minutes, maybe. In this chase here, he goes down into a manhole and has to take her unconscious body with him down, his ally here, his his squeeze, I guess. And they now they're in the sewers, and these this gang is still chasing them. Like they're not letting up. They're very eccentric looking and flamboyant. <laughs> and uh, now, do you guys know where this was shot? 
because um, um I forgot. Like, the, it's, the majority it, of the movie was shot in like North Carolina. Really? Yeah. Okay, because um we were watching it and if not uh, all. Of it. We were watching, I believe, at least uh, the early seasons of The Walking Dead, if not all of it, is in uh, Atlanta. And uh, I was like, well, if this culminates in, in Atlanta, and I'm seeing, like, we were watching the scene with the, the cement building, my, my favorite action scene. It was like, and Katie called it. I was like, this looks like a Walking Dead-like location. It's like, yeah, it would make sense if they were in Atlanta. I'm sorry I didn't do my research, but either way, I think it's cool. Like, just think of Walking Dead locations if you haven't seen this movie, and that's kind of the sets for some of this. Like, industrial in the middle of vegetation. So they end up uh, running out into, like, swampland, like high grass. The sewer leads them out there, and his chick, like, slices off the hand of one of the chick. It's okay, because it's female-on-female violence, guys. The female slices <laughs> off the arm of one of the bad female thug chicks, and it just gets lopped off. It's pretty cool, like just casual. Just and they they really take the time with the prosthetics there. I just saw it. Like you get to see it lopped off there, so that's cool. This episode of Ninety Under Ninety is sponsored by the Time Turner Harry Potter in Depth. Siblings Ken and Alyssa, a lawyer and a historian, reread all seven Harry Potter books, seeking signs, themes, foreshadowing, and metaphors from J.K. Rowling's series of books. Join them on their deep dive into the world of wizardry every week. The time-turner Harry Potter In-Depth is available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy podcasts, so be sure to subscribe today or follow them directly on Twitter, at TimeTurnerPod. Do you believe in magic? Do you find magic to be... Amazing. Magic is all around us in pop culture. So take it from me, Jean-Claude Van Damme, that Uncle Bob's Magic Cabinet is the podcast for you if you like magic. Each week, mother, daughter, host Leigh and Laurie discuss a different topic from hauntings and urban legends to mythical monsters and mediums. Uh, It's a show filled to the brim with pop culture references, ludicrous tangents, and lessons that are magic. Check them out by going to Linktree and searching for Uncle Bob's Magic Cabinet. New episodes drop kick <laughs> every Wednesday and Friday, so subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts now. <laughs> and uh, basically, once again, the you know you know how this goes. Like The villains best the heroes temporarily, and they get separated for a little while, and then they, they reconnect later for the, the next uh, showdown. That, that beat that they all have. Yeah, before the, the lost <laughs> point here. But uh, we're getting, we're really getting there now because uh, they're end up on the beach. Okay, JCVD really does get his ass kicked, and and it's amazing how we're going from one location to the next like a fucking video game so quickly. Yeah. You know, sewers, tall grass, uh, bog area. Now we're on a beach with like waves crashing and sand everywhere, and there's a broken down, rusted ship. With no real explanation as to why they're in all these different locations. <laughs> And why they're not like in the vicinity of the bad guys still. Like not it doesn't that, make sense. But what is the data really? Like I guess it has to do with that. It's a virus. It's a cure. That's all you really need to know, guys. How far could they have gotten? Is like my thing. Like they're right on their tail the entire movie. It's they're true. Like, all right, give them ten minutes and then we'll start to follow. <laughs> oh, fuckers. <laughs> And yeah, JCVD, he really gets his ass kicked. 
um, by Fender. He like he just keeps punching him. It's like it's not even fair. He even tries giving him a roundhouse and it like weekly and it just it's it's one sided. And this is the part where they end up crucifying him on the mast of like a broken down ship uh, right there on the shore. And uh, I heard a story that uh, he was out under the yeah it was Carolina wasn't it? Because I remember reading he was under the Carolina sun for seven hours, like crucified. And it was an early day of shooting, like early into the shoot. Like, OK, I'm ready to do this film. Like one of your first days, we're going to put you up on a big cross, Jean. And uh, OK, cool. Work on my pan. <laughs> like how jaded. Like he's it really is a uh, speaks to his character, I think, because I'd be pretty fucking pissed to be uh, hoisted up there for seven hours, you know? Um, yeah, man, I'd be I'd be pretty pissed off to be crucified too. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know that's a real bummer <laughs> to get crucified. I gotta tell you, you know what really chaps my ass is getting crucified. You know? <laughs> oh man, yeah, it, it is funny. I'm not making this up. Just this, uh, just yesterday, we finished. Uh, we've been watching The Passion of the Christ. I haven't seen it since the theater. Um, and uh, we've been watching it in 20-minute installments. I don't know, morbid curiosity just to see. Because I watched Last Temptation. I was like, all right, how's this Jesus movie? And uh, it's it's oddly structured quite similarly to Cyborg in that uh, they intermittently do these quick flashbacks throughout pretty much the entire fucking movie to his uh, former life, to better days, and then leading up to the tragedy. And it also does culminate somewhat in a crucifixion. So I think Mel Gibson, also Gibson, the Gibson connection here, JCVD <laughs> character, his name is Gibson. He owes a lot to this movie is what I'm saying. So much so that, I mean, it was the studio that, because he wanted to do a whole cyberpunk version of the Jesus story. In Passion of the Christ, and uh, he wanted Jesus to have chainmail and spiky shoulders. Thank God we finally got that realized with the Cyberpunk 2077 video game with Keanu Reeves as Johnny Silverhand. So finally, <laughs> I'm in a video reduced. game. Hey, oh. it's, it's full of a lot of bugs, <laughs> like a lot of fucking bugs, like comically. <laughs> Amount of bugs. Um, so, but where are we? <laughs> so that's a plus. He's so he's on the mass, and okay, now we're cutting back and forth between his former life, now the tragedy, and it is Fender. Like the way he takes out his uh, his his makeshift family back in the day is nothing short of crazy and gnarly. He makes yeah. he makes uh, the flame. Uh, his old flame's daughter hold on to barbed wire and we realize what it's holding it's holding jcvd it's wrapped up in jcvd his squeeze and the little one and the little daughter has to then he says you just have to hold on now ken you how old how young were you when you watched this <laughs> <laughs> on repeat yeah we also kind of glossed know. over the naked chick running on the beach so like yeah, some oh, 80s. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, little little titty action. Was, little titty. <laughs> Sorry. Because <laughs> if, if I'm not mistaken, I think the movie came out in 89. Yep. So depending on the month, because I was born in 80, depending on the month, I was either 8 or 9 when it came out. Oh, my God. 
I, I saw it because of, of course I didn't go to the theater because I never even heard of the movie. But I didn't see it until like the following year, like ninety, maybe ninety one. But I want to say ninety. So I was the age of the, so I was like around nine ten. <laughs> watching this for the first time she's holding <laughs> on to barbed wire her hands are like bleeding like crazy because it's slipping and uh the family goes down a freaking well <laughs> together and that's what was holding them you see that yep. oh so that oh. didn't warp you as a 10 year old <laughs> <laughs> you know i i should talk i saw uh texas chainsaw original at 10 years old i believe on cable and that kind of changed me so like i'm i'm and i don't regret that at all so it's good it's all good you know and so but it, it, like that's gnarly that's like a saw trap in, in a if it was more mechanized you know that's like a yeah. saw trap um and then and, and then um that that's actually the the the, the most the most important part of the flashbacks that they do in the movie because I, I think that's the the last flashback they do because it kind of like wraps up why he wants to kill Fender so much. But mm-hmm. if you notice, you know, for those that haven't seen it, throughout the movie, every time uh Gibson gets gets bested by Fender and the pirates, especially that, you know, that that last part when they when when they surround him in the sand and Fender's like stand him up. <laughs> yeah. All, all of the all of the pirates all of the pirates are looking at him like, yeah, yeah, look, look, look what we just did to this guy. But if you notice, there was always one that had a look of concern on her face. That's right. Like she wasn't That's happy right. about what was going on. And you find out in that final flashback that one of the pirates, the girl that always looks concerned whenever Gibson gets his ass kicked, is the daughter <laughs> of old squeeze that had to hold the barbed wire which ended up killing her family very interesting dynamic because now she is a uh, fender squeeze so that's a, some stockholm severe stockholm going on uh and a big yeah. age gap obviously so that's uh, also concerning well, it is okay because i will cover her up <laughs> You're, well no <laughs> yeah um, I will not be having intercourse with anyone in this. I am on a quest. That's another thing in this is um, there's a flashback where he does like make sweet love in blue light to his squeeze, but it's just like a sweet kiss. And then like the chick, the new one, like the rabbit, she tries to kill him, and then straight up like he still like doesn't. She like puts it out there. She takes off her top, like shows like you know, like I said, a little titty, and he like covers her up, like. JCVD, is, I guess, is a gentleman, but like. Come but on, also, dude. not to body shame, it was kind of a weird-looking titty. Oh, like, I don't know. I, don't, <laughs> I, I wouldn't shame. I would. I don't shame any titty. I mean, maybe it's just the moonlight doesn't. <laughs> maybe the moonlight didn't flatter it, but. Yeah, I think I we got to do a frame by frame here. No, that's that. No. Um. So. Yeah, but basically when he flashes back and yeah, there's a connection. I kind of like that little. They didn't need to do that. This movie doesn't need to do that at all with that the girl, the young girl who grew up to be Fender's uh, bad squeeze. But they do it, and uh, it's it's all the more interesting for it. But uh, that gives him the strength. Looking back, thinking, just thinking about this, and he he, you know, they fucked up. They didn't tie his feet to the cross, and. Uh, 
so he has he has loose feet he's able to kick it like repeatedly over and over until finally it breaks off and that's how he's able to uh, inevitably free himself but you know i guess that's that's one thing gibson didn't take with him from uh from this movie mel gibson with the passion is uh is they, they didn't leave his feet loose in in the passion so anyway he falls he gets free and he screams fender <laughs> And uh, and now we're like, this has to lead up to the third act, right? Like, if it doesn't, then I'm going to be kind of upset. Like, where you know, this is it. That was his him at his utmost lost, okay? So now he's going to go reconvene. He's going to storm the gates, so to speak. They have, uh, I think they have it. No, like, what do they do with his, uh, the Ravager girl who tries to, with the weird titty, as Jer says. Uh, what do they do? They kick her to the side? Oh, so... No, um, kicks the uh, kicks the cross down. He falls, but he's still tied to it. And, and out of nowhere, she you know shows up from after being knocked out and cuts cuts his uh ropes off his wrist. That's right. Yeah. Um. So she's back in, into the fold, and they're gonna now they're they're gonna they they got the piss and vinegar to go take him on again, and then you know, they still gotta get that cyborg who we've only seen in just a couple couple scenes here. So <laughs> it all uh it all culminates at, at uh, the final location. Um, and I'll need a little help here with this third act. Is it just another gate crashing, ass kicking third act? Uh, there's got to be more to it than that. Does there have to be? <laughs> really? <laughs> How about the details of the final fight between Fender and Jace? It's in the rain, and it's like there's a fake out. And like I said earlier, like Fender easily physically bests JCVD in this fight. Like it's not even fair until fucking Fender pulls out a blade and JCVD just because he's able to kind of finesse his way and finagle it out, he's able to stab him straight into like the gut with it. And he's down for a couple minutes. It's, there's like a fake out with Fender. So there's actually quite a quite a bit to unpack from that. Okay. So first, going back to a point that Jeremy made a long time ago, how close in range they always are to each other. Because you would think like, okay, Fender beat the shit out of out of uh, Gibson, ties him to a cross, they walk off, and supposedly get back on the ship because you know they never really talk about the ship again after that <laughs> so you would think after they tied them you know after they crucified them they got back on the ship and made their way down to atlanta because I, I believe that final scene they're finally in atlanta yeah because there, cause there's, a, there's a scene right before uh the final fight of the uh the cyborg her name is uh, Pearl Prophet another another uh guitar reference there's a scene where they're walking like through a forest and her and Fender are like having this weird conversation about like what's gonna happen when they get to Atlanta and what exactly is the cure gonna do is that gonna change anything and all that stuff mm-hmm. then it goes to the the final fight, which is supposedly in Atlanta, they they you know finally made it there. But it's like 
they get to Atlanta, they're walking, and then all of a sudden there's Gibson. Like, how did Gibson get there? <laughs> how did Bruce Wayne Gibson get back to Gotham so fast? How did he do it? So, uh, good question. There was one. So there, there, there's, there's one part, and it's weird. There's one part that always stuck out to me before he fights Peter. Because if you remember, first he fights like the, 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 the soldiers or whatever, the, the goons. <laughs> then he has a like every, every fight in that movie is, 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 is comedic to, to say the least. But if you remember when Fender realizes that Gibson's there, he's like, oh, okay, let's, let's finally finish this guy off. So he sends the guys after him first. And first guy that makes his way to him is this big muscular black dude. Mm-hmm. So he runs at him with like, I don't, I don't remember if he had a knife or a sword or whatever. He ran up to him. John Clark kicks that arm or that hand that had the, the weapon in it and then takes his knife and cuts him across the face. Fun fact, and I hate to say it that way because it's not fun. Fun fact, <laughs> that guy, his name, his real name is like Jackson something. When that scene happened, John Claude, when he did that, he actually literally cut the guy's face on accident and put his eye out. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh so my that god! That guy ended up suing him. <laughs> Listen, yeah, I, I cannot be held accountable him. when there is this kind of magic on set. It's just yeah. Bam, bam, thank I you. I don't bam, understand. Bam. I don't. John Landis told me that blades would be fine on set. I don't understand. <laughs> Hey, listen, if I did the splits between two semi-trucks for an extended period of time, would that do anything for you? Do you need to crucify me again? (laughs) I will do it. Oh, yeah, he ended up up suing him, and I think they settled out of court, and he got like a a lump sum of money for it. That's good. That's at least, yeah. Man, did anybody else, uh, any other injuries on this set? Um, I, I I heard that like I think Van Damme tried to be like Van Damme tried to be like Bruce Lee because like you know Bruce Lee was you know all about peace you know like I'll I'll, I'll show you what I can do but I'm gonna pull back but if somebody on set pissed him off he's like okay I'm gonna show you what I can really do like that that infamous kick in Into the Dragon when he's fighting O'Hara. Mm-hmm. Where he like like runs at him and kicks him like dead in the chest. That mm-hmm. was that was a real kick because the guy was the guy was like trying to like one up him like let, mm-hmm. let me let me throw in the let, let me sneak a few real hits and just blame it on you know the movie and Bruce was like okay you did that too many times I'm gonna show you what I can really do and literally knock the wind out of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so it's really crazy to to believe that. That Brad Pitt, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio's stunt double kicked his ass uh, in the 1969. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that? Yeah, that was crazy. Oh. Um, oh okay. Um, I read here too that in addition to you know the eye being obviously the big injury, um, and, and it wasn't like an immediate injury, but uh, Jean Claude Van Damme's career was injured uh, for the rest. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna chime in and say bruised egos, gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> uh. Um, 
It was just one of those like long-term kind of like, you know, years later, it really started to bother him. They called it the Simon Says effect. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now, wait, we all this time, so much burying. We have been burying so many leads, but the biggest lead to this whole story is uh, who wants to share? Well, I'll leave that to Ken. Okay. (laughs) Because it's an interesting story. It really is. this is this is how I found out like the history of of can, Canon Canon pictures. According to the videos that I've watched years ago, Cyborg is ended up being Canon Pictures like Swan Song was the last movie that they ever did because they like Raul Julia and Street Fighter. Yeah, <laughs> they they literally everything dies. The closer it gets to JCPD. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Please continue. <laughs> like they literally ran out of money and went bankrupt after <laughs> this movie. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Which is crazy because you know th- there was a time where they were they they were a big time company. Like say what you want about the quality of the movies, the movies made money, and you know that's all you know big movie companies care about anyway. So they made a lot of money and. When they started making money, they decided to start buying rights to things. So, you know, something we kind of we kind of brought up, you know, here and there throughout the movie. But, you know, a movie that came out a few years before Cyborg was Masters of the Universe, mm-hmm. which is, you know, the whole He-Man saga with uh, what's it, what's it, Dolph Lundgren as, as, as He-Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Frank Langella so, as Skeletor. <laughs> <laughs> so that movie, you know, a, a, a lot a, there was a lot of backing with that movie. People were really banking on this movie to do like Marvel numbers, mm-hmm. like 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 Avengers numbers for 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 the eighties, and it did not, <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> movie flopped hard. Oh. So, since it flopped, it was like, man, we wanted to do so much with this. Like, we were going to do a sequel, and we was going to, you know, do a they spin-off had, with, with, with other characters and blah, yeah. blah, blah. And the hubris to say at Can- the Cannes Film Festival, we are making a sequel. And then the lead who played, uh, he dropped, was it Dolph, I believe? He's like, no, I'm not doing that. They're like, we'll <laughs> replace you. We're making a sequel. <laughs> right. So we're doing please. it, Dolph. <laughs> <laughs> So Canon had the rights to this movie and they were like, okay, let's 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 try it. Let's see if we can do a sequel to Masters of the Universe. And the more they tried, the more problems and headaches they ran into doing it, because at this point, that movie that movie almost ended the whole like people need to be thankful that that decades later Marvel picked up the mantle and started actually making quality shit decent yeah comic movies it could it could have it could have died for real with, with, with masses of the universe yeah and so a lot of people were like i don't care about comic book movies anymore like we we, we moving off that we're moving to something else but mm-hmm. canon kept pushing for it but they needed a director and every director they encountered either just said flat out no or 
they would say yeah, and then eventually be like, nah, this is too much of a headache. I'm 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 pulling out. So eventually they cross paths with Albert Pyun, and he's like, I just want to make a movie. I'll do any. I'll make any movie. I just want to make a movie. Give me money. Cool. <laughs> I like his style. <laughs> you want to do a Masters of the Universe sequel? I'll do a Masters of the Universe sequel. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. So he started to do it, but then Canon got scared when they realized they're like, you know what? If we push this, we're we're really not gonna make any money off this. So let's not do it. So they changed their mind <laughs> and they wow. went to Albert like, you know what? We're not gonna do the Masters of the Universe sequel, but we're going to do something. What we're going to do, I don't know. We'll figure out something. Somehow, some way, somebody crafted the story of Slinger before it became Cyborg. I want to say part of it was Albert's idea because he always had an idea of doing like a futuristic Western. Right. So he's like, okay, let's do a futuristic Western called Slinger. And they're like, okay, who are we going to get for this? And he said, Chuck Norris. Perfect. So (laughs) it was originally after they scrapped the whole Masters of the Universe sequel thing. Mm -hmm. Slinger was supposed to be Chuck Norris in a futuristic Western. Which makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, he looks like a a future cowboy. (laughs) And Walker, Texas Ranger in in space, you know, I get it. Yeah. And I I think, if I remember correctly, if I remember correctly, I think Chuck was willing to do it. Mm -hmm. But at the last minute was like, oh, I just got called to do like another Delta Force. So whatever goes movies he did back in the day guys i got delta force coming i, I can't be bothered with this hey i gotta i gotta also mention that uh pion was gonna simultaneously do masters 2 and spider-man that was oh, the yeah. they own spider-man they were gonna make yeah. that now imagine making those two uh, on the weekends we'll do spider-man <laughs> And then in the weekdays, we'll do Masters of the Universe 2. I mean, that Jesus. sounds like some, like, Fantastic Four Roger Corman kind of shit. Where that they're was like, we, we got to make something. Um, Canon Films yeah. is like Corman films, basically, like Pepsi Coke to me. Like, I compared, they're very similar to me because they both fucked up with their comic prop, Fantastic Four, and, and they're, yeah, they never even got yeah. to realize Spider-Man, you know? Which so. I just I just found out by uh, doing a little bit of uh, research that the Roger Corman the Fantastic Four from 1994 is 90 minutes. Oh, so shit. that might make its way on this show someday. Oh shit! Ooh. that'll be fun. It's got a uh, bug from Uncle Buck as uh, the Human Torch. So there's oh, that. Sweet. <laughs> um. <laughs> so. But, um, yeah. yeah, that's one. One of the funniest things I found out as far as like the correlation with what they were originally trying to do and what ended up coming out. Yeah. Talk, when, and the then, whole, when the whole Chuck Norris thing went through, you know, fell through, mm-hmm. they, you know, came, they came across, you know, came across Van Damme. I was like, all right, you know, he he's the, the new young up and coming, you know, martial arts star. Let's, let's see if he'll do it. And, they approached him and he agreed to it. So 
those uh those sets like 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 the set from the very first uh scene mm-hmm. and and a couple of other sets were like leftover sets from movies that they were trying to do but couldn't so mm-hmm. like like we, we got to use these you know these these like pretty much the only sets we have so they used them for cyborg and the the funniest thing that i found out that's so hilarious to me is the the costume that fender is wearing was actually going to be the costume for skeletor if they did the massive <laughs> <universe> sequel. <laughs> and me i'm like it's a perfect mad max homage it's it's the next logical step and i really you know i stand by it <laughs> Chain I just, I, I do think that it's, it, like you said though, it is all just leftover sets and costumes and stuff from from both, uh, you know, the Spider-Man and the uh, the other one. But like, yeah, it is weird seeing the one pirate who has got like the eight, like the four robot octopus arms on his back. You know, like yeah. that's that's a little it, strange. <laughs> yeah, that's is that supposed one, to be Doc Ock from uh, this? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, thanks. <laughs> oh, I thought there really was. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm joke. I'm ruining all of Jira's jokes on this show. It's it sucks. <laughs> sorry, I'm a terrible co-host. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, fuck. Uh, you cut that part out. That was that was a good joke. <laughs> um, that's it, right? Like he bests him. Like there's a fake out after he stabs uh, the bad guy, Offender, with the knife. He goes down. You think everything's fine, and then he gets back up. Ah! And the fight continues. I'm like, come on. And they go into uh, an area with chains and 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 hooks, and he ends up impaling uh, Fender on a hook, I think, right? Yeah. Now let me ask you something, because mm-hmm. you you. I, I could tell by your reaction, you were like, that was totally unnecessary for it to just pick back up. The fake, it, it, yeah. Yeah, like, it, it, it seemed kind of rushed, right? Yeah. So there, there's a reason for that. Okay. <laughs> so going back to something Jeremy said earlier about how initially the movie got like an X rating for like extreme violence, which is why in the beginning when he cuts uh, Gutenberg's throat, you don't see it. You just, you <laughs> just hear it. Sure. That the original infight when um they're fighting it outside in the rain and Van Damme stabs him. Cause like if, if you if you watch when he stabs him, the 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 shot of the the puncture looks kind of weird. It looks like it's kind of like from behind instead of in front. It's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. The original and I think I think that is in the the director's cut that uh, Albert ended up doing like years later, he really cuts him and basically uh, splits him in half. Oh, fuck. And the fight was supposed to be over then. He he was going to do that. But Mm -hmm. like what Jeremy said earlier about the whole X rating, when the the MPAA watched it, they was like, nope, not not like that. Better do something else. Come on. Release the pion the pion cut. <laughs> so they're yeah. like, all right, we'll just have him stab him and get up later. <laughs> <laughs> well, part. if we can't split him in half, how about he gets back up? Perfect. 
you this is why you guys are making Masters of the Universe too. Oh, never mind. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> and then he that's when he bests him. He he pierces him with a hook and uh the the android the the cyborg pearl is reunited with uh, the resistance group again and uh John Claus is kind of hanging back in the hallway at their hangout and they're like who did it he's like this guy right here actually he's like the he's like the world he's like the world needs more of you he's like no i think the world needs more of him actually <laughs> and he's just like i'm a savior the end i was crucified so you know savior <laughs> And uh, then we get Cyborg, and then I think that everybody's saved. I saved the world. The world is saved. The end. Um, oh, here's a here's a, a funny a funny thing about the mm-hmm. end. Because mm-hmm. because um, basically after he you know brings her back to the the resistance, she looks at Gibson and is like, come you know stay with us, and he's like. No, they 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 need guys like me out there. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, I I I think he's the real cure for this world. Now here's 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 something like hilarious. Like, if all that other stuff wasn't bad enough, mm-hmm. one last one last little thing, and it's like, man, you know how like you know how the, the, there's some people out there that just can't catch a break. Sure. Like no matter what, you know they just encountered nothing but bad luck yeah like kevin spacey i mean (laughs) i mean what did he do you know it's just bad luck just seems to it's just i don't know what it is about. i don't know what it is the the videos that i watched that you know breaks down the history of how the movie was made Mm -hmm. they go really they go really in depth talking about the differences between the, the way albert really wanted the movie to come out Mm-hmm. against how it ended up how you know how we see it because like i said it was supposed to be called slinger not cyborg mm-hmm. and the 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 premise of the movie wasn't really much about let's get this you know half human half you know robot to atlanta to cure the plague it was more along the lines of why why the world is like this, why Van Damme does what he does. Mm-hmm. And like he tried to make it like he tried he he, he kind of tried to make it like uh no country for old men kinda. That that was gonna be like his thing. He he, he was he was trying to be a Cohen. <laughs> 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 but when a more when poignant came, perhaps movie yeah. than, than what we got. Yeah. <laughs> so when he finally did the director's cut I, f- I forgot how the movie ends originally, because um, you know, it, you know, the fight is different. You know, he impales Fender, mm-hmm. and I believe they just walk off, or I-, I forget exactly how it ends. But the the way he, you know, the way he cut the movie, the only footage he had was kind of like the rough cuts, and he had to kind of like pretty much Frankenstein it on his own. So if you ever if you ever come across it, the quality's not gonna be great. Ah, I see. Like like you you'll see all of the um all of the exponential like nice shots that you really like in Cyborg. Mm-hmm. Then when you see his cuts, 
is really it's like bad eight millimeter kinda. I see. So the final scene, I wish I remember exactly what the exact final scene is. But when when the final scene happens right before they show the uh, end credits, when it fades to black, I think it was an accident because of the footage he was using. When it finally fades to black, right before the end credits pop up, mm-hmm. you see a quick flash of the door closing. And, <laughs> <laughs> and there's no door closed. And, and the <laughs> yeah, that seems like a bit of a flub. <laughs> For the eagle-eyed, people have watched it over and over and over again at the age of uh, 10. We'll catch that. <laughs> what did the door mean? Right. <laughs> yeah, JCVD is still answering those questions on Twitter. What did that door mean in Cyborg? Well, well, it should interest you to know that I have re-edited the movie myself, as I have done many of my movies. So there are there you. That's that's true. He literally does he. But he's apparently gone back to several of his movies and oh, recut them. Like god. no, no, no. Here's how it should have been done. Oh god. Oh. <laughs> no, here's here's this is a tad bit off subject, but not really. One one thing that we haven't really delved into too much is uh the voice of Fender. Mm. Which is obviously <laughs> not not the guy's voice. Right. So that was uh the guy that plays Fender, that was his first movie ever. He was he was not an actor. He was a surfer. Oh. He okay. actually uh if I remember correctly, he got the part by coming to an audition with somebody else somebody was somebody else was auditioning for the movie and they saw him was like who is that he mm-hmm. needs to defend who's who's that guy screaming in the waiting room <laughs> <laughs> you fucker he's got the freddy krueger filter throughout right. like the whole movie that voice filter <laughs> so, so it was like it's like they approached him like have you have you are you not have you acted before no you want to be the villain of this movie? One of the most important characters of this movie, even though you've never acted before? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, so, quite a leap of faith. So his real voice is very light, which, which you, would ne- you would never guess that by looking at him because he's a big dude. Right. But I, f- I, f- I actually found out how his real voice is because, <laughs> like, I'm one, I'm one of those people, I, I, I pay attention like I'm one of those people that I I read the the opening credits and the end credits. I've I've always done that for some reason. And like I re- I'm, I'm I remember faces. So I'm like, oh, that's so and so from this. It's so and so from that. Mm-hmm. A couple of years later, dude showed up on an episode of Baywatch. <laughs> <laughs> and you recognized him? I was like, that's Fender. Yeah, what's Fender doing here? Talking to the hog. And I heard his real voice. I'm like. Wow. Okay. Didn't didn't expect that voice out of you know somebody that looked like you. <laughs> but turns out Van Damme movies kind of have a history with that. Cause I don't, have y'all watched uh, Kickboxer? Uh uh-uh. uh No, I have not watched <laughs> Kickboxer. <laughs> so 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 Kickboxer is another like a uh, revenge movie basically. Uh. Van Damme, his character's name is 
Kurtz, I think. Which, Kurtz. <laughs> I could I could I could do a whole podcast on how we're supposed to believe that these uh these actors that clearly are not from America. Have the, <laughs> My the, name the, is John the, Anderson. Right. Have the thickest accents on the planet. And like, What's your name? <laughs> Bill Jones. <laughs> Dude, you're Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> oh, I'm Detective John Kimball. <laughs> so basically, kickboxer Van Damme's name is Kurt. He is not a fighter initially. So the movie's not him being a kick-ass dude is his older brother. I forget his brother's name. Mm-hmm. His Kurt. his older his older <laughs> <laughs> his, his older what brother. Is... <laughs> go ahead, go so ahead. His, his his older brother. When the movie starts, he is like a professional kickboxer. He's like uh, I don't, I don't know what weight class he was in, but like let's say like the middleweight kickboxing champion of, of America mm-hmm. and he gets invited to go to Thailand and fight the best uh, kickboxer in Thailand which is a dude named Tong Po <laughs> <laughs> of course it is yeah why not <laughs> and Tong Po is basically backed by the, the, the Thailand mafia so mm. to speak so even, even though Tong Po doesn't need this kind of help like he can literally beat up anybody like he's like the guy that can't be beaten mm-hmm. the thailand mafia like like i don't want to say fixes his fights but they kind of they kind of play the system like let's 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 bet against them or let's 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 you know fuck up the booking system so we can make even more money gotcha yeah so van um kurt van damme his older brother gets invited <laughs> to fight Tung Po. And Tung Po beats him so bad, he paralyzes him. Mm. So Kurt has to take him to the hospital, and he meets this guy. He meets a, a black guy. I can't, I can't think of his name. He meets this uh, this black dude that lives in Thailand. He's like an old like uh, war veteran that, for whatever reason, decided to settle in Thailand, of all places. <laughs> So he decides to to help him take the brother to the hospital, and that's when they find out, yeah, he's paralyzed from the waist down, his fighting career is over, Mm. and it pisses off Kurt so much that he forces the black guy to take him to meet this old guy that's like a legendary fighter that doesn't fight anymore, to train (laughs) him to get revenge. But the funny thing is, the guy that plays Van Damme's brother, I forget what his real name is, but he actually really was a professional kickboxer for real. Hmm. And that was his first acting gig ever. So people had no idea what his voice was going to sound like. I, I didn't find this out. I actually didn't find this out until last year hmm. that, that the voice that you hear playing Van Damme's brother is not his. I actually mm-hmm. found that out watching the videos that they talk about with Cyborg. So, so the guy that plays Van Damme's brother, they don't use his voice because mm-hmm. like he has the, the the typical like cocky like don't worry about me little bro I kick the sides at you. Uh huh. 
And that there, 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 there's a scene where after he gets into the hospital and the doctor tells Van Damme, like, yeah, your brother's paralyzed. When he goes in the hospital room to see him, he's like angry, like, look at my, look what he did to my legs. Like, my, my career is <laughs> over. Like, oh my God, my, my world is over. <laughs> they show a clip of his real voice. He's like, look at my legs. My career is over. I can't <laughs> <laughs> like the David Beckham effect where you're like, dude, just don't talk. Just stand there. <laughs> look pretty, you know? <laughs> Well, I'm going to be honest with you, Ken. Um, you did not sell a ticket to Kickboxer for me. <laughs> That's a thumbs down for Jer right there. Me, I think you summarized it enough for me. I just want to see that that clip of the actor with the real voice, because yeah, I'd uh, I, yeah. like to see I'd like to see the thug with the Michael Jackson voice too. <laughs> it's and, it's wild how much they they dub movies back then. Sorry to cut you off. No, that's okay. I was just. Wrapping it up here. <laughs> um, yeah, that is uh, Cyborg from 1989. Not Kickboxer. We are talking about Cyborg still. Um, thank you for listening to us. And uh, don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at 90under90 90 or at 90under90 90 podcast. And don't forget to watch Intervention on Amazon Prime. It's still available for free for Prime members. Or you can uh, pay to rent it or purchase it if you so choose. Whichever you do. DVD and Blu-ray coming out uh, the 16th of oh, this yeah. month. By, yeah. by the time by the time this episode right. drops, the Blu-ray will already be out. So yeah, yeah, you can find it at uh, Best Buy, Fye, Walmart. I don't know Amazon. I don't know if it's go all to, exclusively online, but you can check to, them out there. Go to www. and 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 excuse me www. dot and there'll be uh, info there for uh, you know how to uh, get a hold of the Blu-ray. Uh, however you choose to listen to the uh, or however you choose to watch the movie, please, uh, if you could leave us a review on Amazon, that would uh, be very appreciated. Yeah. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave us a review there. Give us that five star rating. Uh, <laughs> Ken, thank you for joining us, and I'm thank glad you, we finally got to Cyborg for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> We will uh, be choosing the next title, not not because of any uh, any ill will on your choice, but uh, uh, because I, I just want to throw another problem child to your way or something, PC <laughs> something culture. like that, some PC culture your way. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm 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 cool. I'm cool with any movie. I, I just I just I needed I needed y'all to watch that. <laughs> that needed to happen, frankly. <laughs> Ken can rest now. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. All right, that is it for us this week. I'm Jeremy Eden. I am Dan Eden. And I'm Ken Palmer. That's a wrap. I'm coming day and night. I mean, it's terrific, right?